Let's hear it for Bill. All right. Do you know that, uh, that Phil Payne and I have the same birthday? Did you know that? Yeah. We vote November 27th. I am older than him by quite a few years. Um, but uh, that if you, if you missed our birthdays and you didn't get us anything, all right, I want to encourage you to take anything you would have given to me and give it to Phil, all right? I'm 100% serious about that. There, I know nobody on the face of the planet that could do in this day for this hour and this season what Phil is doing at Providence. Uh, so I just wanna, want you to love on him and bless him richly and, and wildly. Uh, haven't known him long, but he is so precious to me and his, his whole family, his kids are so beautiful and wonderful. His, his wife is, is wonderful as well. And so I uh, just wanna just thank God for, for giants among us and Phil is actually one of them. And man, I feel more spiritual now that we both have the same birthday. It's just, is that not confirmation from God? Like you guys are, yes. So I'm 42. All right. I want to tell you a story, though, about uh, when I was 27. And if you don't mind, I'm going I'm to skip past COVID conversations and get right to what I believe that God is speaking uh, today. Is that okay? Uh, I want to communicate with you guys about stuff. It, this is a season, though, where there's so much stuff happening around us. We're trying to keep just our head above water. We're not trying to keep anybody out of the dark. Okay. Uh, but we are also trying to keep Jesus first, not safety first. Okay, and it's not that we want to be, we want to shepherd well, uh, but, but sometimes God leads us into seasons like we're in right now where safety is not 100% possible and to put that expectation on anybody is a hellish thing, all right? And so we're doing our very best to keep Jesus first in the midst of the valley. Uh, and so, so just, just hang with us. Uh, we're not out to get anybody. Uh, we've created a COVID care team that is, we've got four documents right now that we're working through. We don't want to kick them out prematurely, then have to change them. Okay, we're just doing our very best. And so I said I wasn't going to go there, but, but I did. In the next two to three weeks, we will be getting some more documentation out. Uh, but just know from my heart that what we want to do of first importance is keep Jesus the treasure, the center, the focus, the everything of this church. So just hang in there with us, guys. And if I could encourage you, um, be, be praying like never before. That's why we're still doing, doing burn services. <laughs> That's why on the first Friday in December, it, pray from home. Pray from stage three. This is stage one. The, the, uh, the stage two is, is the, the children's one right over there. And then stage three is the old uh, youth room. But just, just pray. Cry out to God like never before. Um, and we, the, the world has to hear the church praying in humility, not arrogantly sharing opinions, all right? So in these days, humble ourselves, lay on the ground, cry out to God, ask for miracles. That's what we have to do. Uh, and so, uh, so that's the posture that we're taking here. And so just wanted to, to let you know in, in case uh, you, you had some of those thoughts. Let me tell you, about how I feel uh, in this season is I don't feel like a, uh, I don't feel like a seasoned 42-year-old uh, dad. <laughs> I feel like I did when I was 27 and my son was six weeks old, all right? I remember the first time that um, my wife uh, said, hey, I've got to get out of the house. You know, we had our, our first child, Ethan, a uh, little baby, six weeks old. Uh, and she said, Nathan, I got to get out of the house. And, and I said, Adrian, listen, leave Ethan with me. I've been watching you. It's what you do is simple. All right. 
You just hold, you pat, you change a little, you lay down night nights. What you do is simple, I can handle this. Uh, never done it before, but I can do it. <laughs> That's what you think when you've never done it before. It looks so simple from a distance. And so I had w- been watching my wife for a whole six weeks take care of our child, and I've been helping, and, I, uh, and, and she said, I gotta get out of here. And she, she, she just got out for about an hour, and I had Ethan, and everything was fine um, until um, he started crying. And I realized that uh, the reason he was crying is because he needed a diaper change, all right? Um, and uh, so I put him on the changing table. I still remember this vividly. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm changing his diaper. And I turn and I go to throw the dirty diaper in the, uh, uh, in the trash. And as I turn around, Ethan is, uh, is going to the bathroom without the diaper on. So it's like a, a golden arch, you know? <laughs> And this golden arch, is, is this TMI? I'm sorry, um, but, uh, but it is real, appearance, right? Uh, and so, but this golden arch is, is landing on his face, all right? And it's getting in his eyes, and then it gets in his eyes, and, and I, think, uh, I think it's stinging because he starts crying, and as he cries, it's going in his mouth. Uh, and, and I'm just like, oh no! And I'm, and I'm imagining, I, I'm not most uh, concerned for my son, I'm most concerned about me having to tell my wife that on my watch, our son peed in his eyes and his mouth. And, uh, and so, but anyway, I, I, I fixed things up, but he is so upset at this time that I'm holding him for a long time. And he basically cries himself to sleep and Adrian comes home and, and she says, why is Ethan's eyes red? And why does he smell weird? And I said, well, he peed on his face, you know? And uh, so, so, and I was just like, I, I didn't know what to do. And this is a season, my friends, that, that you can watch from a distance and have all kinds of opinions. All, you can have the best opinions, but unless you've actually walked down that road and experientially parented, you don't know what to do. And as a pastor, I, I've been a pastor now for 21 years of my life, or 22 years of my life. Um, and this is one of those seasons where I'm, it's like a Jehoshaphat moment, where all I can do is I can get on the ground, and I just laid here this week. <laughs> Nobody's in the room. Nobody's at the church. I just laid here this week. I say, God, no clue what to do. My eyes are just on you. And so these, this, is, this is one of those places, I just want to tell you that, that the posture of leadership at Providence is not prideful. It's very humble. And so we're, we're not claiming to have all the answers. We're, we're not claiming to uh, even have opinions. We're just claiming that God has a future for us that is better and greater because he is better and greater. And we just want to hold on to him and say, God, what do you want to do? And if we make mistakes, we make mistakes in grace. And if we get it right, it was all because of Jesus. The the problem, though, that we're facing, though, is in the world, the world has a completely different viewpoint than the one that I just shared with you. A completely different posture. A completely different voice. And the voices that we, we hear, unless we're really guarding our hearts and the ears of our hearts and the eyes of our hearts, unless we're really, really, really guarding them, we are overrun by demonically inspired opinions. Out of touch with the heart of God, out of touch with the voice of God. I, I'm, I'm seeing before my eyes the spiritualizing of slander and calling it free speech. 
free speech. It's America's free speech. Well, well, guys, what you're doing is spiritualizing slander, and it's only exposing your arrogance. This is, I'm seeing the lifting of opinions as higher than scripture. All kinds of voices. You know, we have to hear today from medical professionals, and many medical professionals disagree on what's going on today, but we plant our feet in, 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 the, in the ground and refuse to move. You know that? We, we, we hunker down, and we, you can be a friend with a person one day and an enemy with a person the next day, and these are supposed Christians. What? I just went soprano on that one. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The, uh, um, I, I'm wondering today, we hear so many voices from doctors, we hear so many voices from government officials, we hear so many voices from other people, and everybody is claiming that they're trying to do what's best. But do you know who knows what's best? I went out to on that one. Best, you hear that? It's a good shepherd. It's the good shepherd knows what's best. And so I'm wondering, do you know, I, I'm wondering who in the church is going to care about the voice of the shepherd. And I'm wondering, I know very few people are asking me, what's Jesus saying to you? Actually, I say very few because I'm trying to be kind. Maybe one, two, if I forget because I'm 42. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just wondering, I, I, not one person has come to me and said, Nathan, how do we use COVID and how do we use this season, elections and turmoil and quarantines, all these, how do, the, how do we use this season to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? Nobody. Is that not what the church is called to do? Says Matthew chapter 28, <laughs> go into all the world and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? Is that in any season, even in jeopardy of our safety, is that not our calling? <laughs> wow, but we're less concerned about that than we are about other things. I, 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 we, we hear voices of, of all kinds of professionals, but I just love that God has not called us to be professionals. He's just called us to be children. And when I tell my kids what to do, if they say, well, are you a professional? <laughs> I usually don't take that well. They've never said it. They, they dare not. Uh, you know, so I, I think that God would endow me with Kung Fu. Uh, you know, because actually Bruce Lee is also born on 11-27, November 27th. And so I, I think there's an attachment there with Kung Fu that I can't explain. I'm so good in a fight too, Keith, just like you. <laughs> but but I, we, we, we hear all, all of these voices and I'm tired of hearing from professionals. Professionals never hear the same way. I wanna hear Jesus. I wanna hear Jesus. And so here's what I wanna do is, as, in these days as I'm laying on the ground, as I'm crying out to God, and as I'm lifting up Jehoshaphat prayer, saying, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Uh, I, I wanna toss an unprofessional pastor's voice into the ring. Just, I just wanna toss an unprofessional pastor. I'm not claiming to know a thing, except as I'm hanging out with Jesus, this is what I'm getting. I, uh, I heard a song that YWAM, Youth with a Mission, one of my favorite missions organizations in the world, my little brother, Jordan, whose birthday is November 28th. Um, I don't know why I'm on birthday, okay, well, we just came through him. 
uh, he, he and my uh, sister-in-law, Cammie, are, are missionaries with YWAM, and they sing a song that, that, uh, that the chorus goes like this, I will preach the gospel, die and be forgotten, as long as you get the glory. I will preach the gospel, die and be forgotten as long as you get the glory. See, this is the song of the church. This is the song we dance to. The church has created songs that we dance to that, that idolize other things over laying down our lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ and the glory of God. And we've, we idolize conveniences. We idolize buildings. We idolize communication. We idolize all of these things. But the song of God over the church is preach the gospel. Die and be forgotten and bring me glory. If you have a problem with that type of Christianity, you don't know Christianity because this is the call. Lay down your life for Christ. Jesus is better than your life. Die and be forgotten. Share good news. Put yourself in harm's way. This is what I think God is speaking. And I, I got fired up as I was reading through. I've been reading through First and Second Kings and then the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 13 and then the whole chapter of uh, chapter 14 starts out like this. This is how the early church operated in the midst of persecution. In Acts chapter 13 Starting with verse two, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, <laughs> there's a whole lot in that. While they were worshiping the Lord and tweeting, oh, I mean, uh, sharing opinions on social, <laughs> wait, wait a second, what, what is that? Is that the message translation? I'm the, what? The, uh, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. See, this is what the church is supposed to be doing. What, what do you find the church doing? When Peter was in jail, about to be murdered, the church gathered and prayed for his release. Middle of the night, this is what the church does. When something bad happens, what do we do? Do we hide? No, we pray. We fast. What, like fasting, prayer, sharing the gospel, evangelism, building people up, making great feats of love at the risk of our lives, this is what the church does. So while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit says, if you haven't heard the voice of the Spirit in a while, perhaps it's because you're, you're just not in his presence. You're just complaining. God doesn't talk to me and your victim mentality is winning the day. Hang out with God for hours, days. That's, that's when he'll speak to you. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, again, this is the fasting and prayer sandwich, uh, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Now, Acts chapter 14 is the story of what uh, Paul and Barnabas did when they were sent off by the church who was fasting and praying. And here's what happens. I'm just going to read the first part. It says, now at Iconium, which is a town, they entered together into the Jew Jewish synagogue. That's what Jesus did. He'd go right to the temple, right to the synagogue. And he, he started there often. And this is what they were doing. And now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. Here's, here's what they're doing. They're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people who need the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That's how they're starting. It is the gospel. It's the gospel. Their ministry is built on the gospel. 
Their ministry is built on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus conquered death. You don't have to be religious. You have to be in relationship with Jesus. This is what they're starting with. Your righteousness is like filthy rags. You get Jesus' righteousness through faith and faith in Christ alone. This is the message that, and they're, and they're preaching this, and they spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. Verse two, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. What had Paul and Barnabas done wrong that they should have people against them? Answer, not a thing. Shared the gospel? Can you see anything that they've done wrong? They should have people poisoned against them? I can't. But here's what happens. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord who bore, bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Man, I can't wait for that. That we're, we're so prayed up and fasted up and we're sending people out, speaking the gospel, and then we're in situations where miracles are demanded. We don't like miracles just because they're fun. We actually need them to advance the gospel and be confirming works to the, the message of the gospel being preached. It's a grant miracles and a passion for souls in these days, God. So, but the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe. So, so people say, hey, all these miracles, all these people getting saved, all this stuff, like we don't like this. We're gonna, we're gonna kill Paul and Barnabas. Listen, that just comes with the territory, friends. If you're following Jesus, it's, it's fun like that, right? Um, unless you're hiding. Um, and then they learned of and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia into the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Listen, they didn't go to the next town and lick their wounds and say, Jesus, I can't believe that these people hated All we did was we shared Jesus and people were getting saved and you're using us to do miracles and then they want to stone us. And so we need, we need just a, 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 a sabbatical to commiserate with the unfortunate situation that you led us into. And do that. They're expecting this to happen. And so they go to the next town. Say, this town doesn't like us. We go to the next town and we'll preach the gospel there. You see this? Who talks like this? Who lives like this today? This is our, our attention is much more on many other things than on this, than on ministry like this and living like this. Now in Lystra, there was a man who could not use his feet since birth and Paul looks at him and sees he has faith to believe and God heals the man and he springs up and begins walking around. And when the people in Lystra see this, they think that, that Paul and Barnabas are gods. And so they begin to celebrate gods are among us, they, Zeus and Hermes. They've come down. They're with us. And they're speaking all of this in their own Lyconian language. And so, so Paul and Barnabas don't really know what's going on until they start sacrificing oxen and cattle to these men. And then verse 15 of chapter 14, you see, or verse 14 of chapter 14, you see Paul and Barnabas, it, it said, when they heard what they were actually doing, they tore their garments, rushed into the crowd, crying out, men, why are you doing these things? 
since we also are men of like nature with you and we bring you good news. That's the gospel. Hey, we're just people. Don't sacrifice anything to us. We're just messengers bringing you good news that you should turn from these vain things to the living God. They can't stop them. They keep sacrificing. They're parading them around. They're celebrating the gods are among us. But you know what happened? Is the people that were trying to kill Paul and Barnabas from Iconium follow them 100 miles to Lystra. And while this is going on, they stir up the Jews in Iconium and they persuade the crowds uh, against Paul and Barnabas. And so look at verse, verse 19. So they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city supposing he was dead. So one minute they're sacrificing to him thinking that he's uh, Hermes. And the next moment they, they kill him with stones. This is a, a very, a very, if you follow the crowd, you're gonna get whiplash. <laughs> oh, what are we saying now? Well, so-and-so said that this, so-and-so said they're gods. Well, great, they're gods, sacrifice. Oh, okay, no, 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 now these people over here, they're saying that they should be killed. Well, grab stones, like fickle. The crowd is fickle. You don't listen to the voice of the crowd, and the voice of critics, and the voice of those who are bitter. You listen to the voice of the people that are saying, hey, I'm just a man. I'm trying to tell you about the living God. You can turn to him from these vain things to him who you were crafted for. So what happens, though, is that the disciples gather about Paul when he's laying there, and he rose up. And what does he do? He doesn't go to the medical tent. <laughs> he doesn't call his insurance. He doesn't call his attorney or his lawyer. He doesn't tweet anything. He goes back into the city containing the people who just tried to kill him. And what did he do? He went on with Barnabas to Derby and, went, and verse 21, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord whom they had believed. Wow, Jesus, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Honestly, guys, my dream, you've got to know this, hook me up to all the lie detectors tests. My dream is not to be famous. But my, my dream is to go down for Jesus. Literally. Like when you ask me, Jesus, I, I would love to preach the gospel, die for it and be forgotten as long as it brings Jesus glory. Man, and I think we've lost that in the church. I think we're raising up people that are demanding their rights instead of laying them down. I think we're raising up people that are more concerned with their voice than the voice of the Holy Spirit. We're not even training people to hear God's voice. We're training people to have their own. This is not how it works. In a family, the children's voice is not what matters, it's the father's. It's the father's job to lead the body, the family. And I'm just, here's what I'm sensing that God is speaking in, in these days is, is that we, 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 we have lost what is central and basic to Christianity, that Jesus is better than everything. And if you have him, you have it all. And you trust him with your rights and you gladly lose yourself for him. 
But this is not, and, and that the church is not built because of buildings and programs. The church is not built by attracting people to your great children's ministry and making everything cushy and cozy and convenient. That's how we've done it. And then we wonder why people leave the faith. Well, they left the faith because they were in church. They were not in Christ. we, We made Christianity so convenient, never talking about sharing the gospel. I, I, almost, I almost posted this. I, I spend almost no time on social. I can't for my soul. <laughs> but I almost posted that I'm not taking advice from anybody who hasn't shared, shared with their mouth, their lips, the gospel of Jesus Christ in the year 2020. Not taking advice from anybody who hasn't led with the gospel. Because it shows where our focus is. If you go to Giant, more concerned on the two for five ice cream deal in the ice cream aisle, oblivious to every soul around you, listen, this isn't Christianity anymore. And so the motivation that we see behind Paul and Barnabas' life and what sends them on mission and what they contained that the church has lost is that their life is about the spread of the gospel, Do you see this in Acts? We just read this in Acts, the first seven verses. You see that in verse two, the unbelieving, or in verse one, they spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. Believed in what? Believed in the good news that they had just preached. And then you see in in, uh, verse 15, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news. That word good news and gospel is the same word. All we're doing is preaching the gospel to you. Don't sacrifice oxen to us. That's not not what we're doing here. And then in verse 21, when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, this, what they're doing and what the church is called to do is to share the gospel message with others. Now we take little you know, the church is famous for taking little statements and treating them like scripture when they're not scripture. Like we take the, the, what is it? Preach the gospel and sometimes use words. That's not in the Bible, you see. So you have to read the Bible to know that. Preach the gospel and sometimes use words is, is something that somebody else said and the, the premise of it, I like. Let your life be a, uh, a portrayal of Jesus. I like that. But people believe when they hear. And we can't hide behind things like preach. Well, I don't actually share the gospel. I just kind of live it. Well, if you're living it, you're going to share it, friends. Start sharing it. All right. Uh, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, the the ramification of that, he says, okay, here's, Jesus says, I have all authority over all, Jesus says, all things, I have authority over all. Now, as a result of the authority that I have, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all that I've taught you. I'm sending you out to go. 
then he says a, a wonderful promise. Behold, I want you to see this. I'm with you always. You're not doing this on your own. I'm sending the counselor. I'm sending the spirit. My presence is with you. But I have authority over all, so go. There's a church in California that I heard about that since March, they've led 75,000 people to Jesus. 75,000 people to Jesus. <laughs> Jesus like like this is it's it's like it's like there's a pandemic going on that is way worse than the one that we're actually fighting and the pandemic that is going on is people are blind to their sin and they're blind to their alienation from God and then God has given us the answer who is himself and we quote things like, well, I don't really share, I kind of just live. Well, it's not working. It's not working. We have to be people that share the best message in the world. And we have to be so with Jesus that we can't shut up about it. Like we share our opinions way more readily than we share Jesus. And I, I just, I can't stand this anymore. We've got to get this back where what's driving us is the gospel message. So I'm just speaking the Bible here and a lot of people are calling me an evangelist for this. Well, I don't think I'm an evangelist. I just think that I care about the glory of God and saving people. Just, we don't have to label. We just need to love Jesus. Where's, where did that go? How about this? The motive, what God is speaking is, is speak the gospel. But what God is also speaking in, the, in these days is everything is about my glory. Jesus is saying, everything is about my glory. Valley seasons, lush seasons, mountaintops, whatever, wherever, everything is about my glory. When, when, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas saw that people were actually viewing them as gods, they tore their garments and rushed into the crowd. They didn't deal with that for a second. They ran right into the people with their, with their clothes torn and say, no, 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 no. This is not about us. This is about him. This is about him. It's the glory of God. We are just here so you can see that he is good. We are just here so you can see that he is better. We are just here so you can see that there is hope for a restored relationship with the one who actually made you. That's what it's about. But here's the third thing is, it's about the gospel, it's about the glory of God, but it's, it's about, listen, that we've got to get this back in the church. It's about a willingness to suffer for both of those things. I, I, people will never invite me to their churches after I say this, but I can't not say it because it's in the Bible. It's a willingness to suffer for both of those things. This is the kind of Christianity that God has called us to, that you are so lovesick that you are willing to put yourself in harm's way even after somebody stones you to death. They, all they did was stone me, but they're blind, they're dead, they don't even know I'm going back. Well, shouldn't you rest? 
I am resting in Jesus. I'm going back to tell these people about him. They obviously don't know, says the welts on my face. So he rose up and entered the city that contained the people that just went after him. He went back to the people who tried to kill him. Do you know that all of the apostles, except for the apostle John, were martyred? You know that? Like, we, we, don't, we don't actually know the Bible anymore. Um, but all of the apostles, except for John, were martyred. And John, history tells us, they tried to martyr by boiling him in oil in an arena, but he wouldn't die. And so they exiled him to the island of Patmos, where, Patmos, where he wrote the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and received the book of Revelation. All the other apostles died. Some of them were skinned alive. Peter was crucified upside down. He refused to be crucified right side, side up because Jesus was crucified. Just, um, and then the, the first deacon, Stephen, couldn't shut up about Jesus and that got him stoned in Acts chapter seven. And then in Acts chapter eight, a great persecution breaks out on the church, which gets James, the first elder of the Jerusalem church, and probably the half-brother of Jesus martyred in Acts chapter 12. And the person leading the Acts chapter eight persecution that spread the whole church, except the apostles who decided to stay, was led by the apostle Paul, who was Saul. He was just dead in his sins here. He was just a religious Pharisee thinking that he was following Jesus, but he was going and dragging Christian women and children out of their houses and incarcerating them for the name of Jesus. And then Paul has an encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road and dedicates his whole life to paying whatever price he needed to to tell other people about Jesus, which got him beheaded under Nero. Don't tell me you didn't know this. The Tertullian in the 300s AD, who's a great leader in the uh, North African man, he said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. What do you mean by that? Well, the church grows when the gospel is shown to be better than life. Not argued over. Not when, when people are willing to die for what they believe. Forfeit safety and go after Jesus, that is actually what advances the church and that is when people get saved. Now we make life all about convenience and do you like the carpet? We don't have carpet, are you okay with that? It sounds funny, but I have to deal with that way more than I have to deal with, with people aflame for the gospel. John Wycliffe, born in 1324 in a time where the Bible was not written in English. Loved the scripture so much that he uh, translated the Latin Bible into English. He fearlessly proclaimed the scriptures, including his views against the doctrine of mass and papal authority. That was the fight in his day. 
And he, he would send people out, he, he and his fathers, they, they would go out and they'd go from place to place preaching the word of God in the language of the people, okay? Which was not done because what the church back then in the 1300s believed is that, that the uh, that ordinary people can't understand the greatness of God's word. Wycliffe didn't believe that. And, but he, uh, he actually... What, they tried to kill him multiple times, but he survived. And when, when he died 30 years later in the year 1415, they actually exhumed his bones and burnt them and then cast his burnt bones into the river Swift just to say, we disagree with what this man preached. You can't understand the scriptures. William Tyndale came after him, late 1400s. He, uh, he studied at Cambridge. He was an ordained preach, priest, but he was disgusted at the behavior of the priest, <clears throat> which contrasted with the teaching of the Bible. He's like, the Bible is where we start, not church tradition. So the, the church is still operating in Latin, even though 100 years before that, Wycliffe is saying, no, 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 no. But just put it in the dialect of the people. Well, Tyndale was eventually strangled to death. And then his body was burnt to ashes. But not before he called out in a loud voice, Lord, open the King of England's eyes. Then this was fulfilled when Henry VIII ordered Miles Coverdale's Bible based on Tyndale's to be used in every church in the land. Listen, the, the Bible that you have, people in the 14-1500s died for possessing it. I, I, I've read multiple times now Fox's book of Christian martyrs, which John Fox, who wrote the book, was just a history of people who have died for Jesus. Um, he actually, when, when the bubonic plague hit, John Fox is one of the people that ran and served them chicken soup. Everybody else, the doctors leave first because they see what's happening. They're out. See, it's, everything's reversed now. The church is now the ones that are hiding and the, the healthcare workers are on the front lines. But back in these guys' day, it was the church that was the front lines. I'd like to go back there. I'd like to find out how do we walk in the shoes of these men and women who literally gave their lives for Jesus. The church is not known for this anymore. The church is known for divisiveness and backbiting. And did he hear that he said that he said that he said that she said that she I don't know. Let's just not talk anymore. Queen Mary was called Bloody Mary. So when you drink those, it's actually a drink that is celebrating all of the Christians who died under her reign. <laughs> From 1555 to 1558, 288 Protestants were burnt for adhering to the word of God. <laughs> These included one archbishop, four bishops, 21 clergymen, 55 women, and four children. It was through reading Riley's account of the joint martyrdom of old Bishop Latimer, which that's in Fox's book of Christian Martyrs, and the younger Bishop Ridley, that I was truly bought, brought to the saving repentance and faith as I read Latimer's words, encouraging his friend, while the flames were lick, licking up around them, be of good comfort, Mr. Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust shall never be put out. This is what people say dying for Jesus. Then the plagues, talk about the plagues. 
because plagues are no new thing. This is the, the, the there is a, a historian named Gary Ferngren. I, I don't really, can't really pronounce his name, but he's a historian specializing in the plagues. And he states emphatically that the only care of the sick and dying during the epidemic of 312, 313, those were the years, was provided by Christian churches. He adds no charitable care of any kind, public or private, existed apart from Christians. Christians risked their lives in order to serve chicken soup to the sick. They could and did make a clean, well-lit place for the sick to find rest. And some of those sick people recovered as a result and became Christians. Why? Oh, it's because Christians are more concerned with extravagant, extraordinary feats of love that were coming from the gospel producing the life of Christ in them than they were about anything else. And there's three things that I feel God speaking in these days. And here's number one, love is not safe. If planning for safety happens before planning for love, our love will be too safe to biblically qualify as love. I want us to make decisions in prayer, not just with experts around tables. Fasting, prayer, worship, God's presence. This has to be the framework that we operate out of, not professionals first. This, the framework for, for Christian decision-making is the kingdom. What is Jesus saying? And then we boldly, bravely do that. Here's the last thing I want to say. I just want to end with a bang, you know? I haven't been direct enough, so let, let me end like this. That division and dissension in the church is worse than COVID. Way worse than COVID. The world can handle COVID way better than it can handle a divided church. Because it takes the focus off Jesus and because it takes the focus off the gospel and suddenly we're having a civil war. Instead of locking arms and sharing the news that we were entrusted with, Jude says, once for all, entrusted to the saints. The gospel, the, the good news, the truth, once for all, entrusted to the saints, contend for that. Contend for that. So I don't know how to end. I just, there's in my unprofessional words from a pastor who doesn't want to be a professional. I just want to be a part of a church that loves Jesus so much that we would die for him and that we are found face down crying out to God for miracles and not, how many of you, let's just think just here for a second. This will get a good heart check here. How many of us have spent more time on our face, on our knees, had a chair, staining our Bible with our tears, praying for the lost, more time doing that than we have doing this? like <laughs> love oh comment it's, it's just it's, guys it's, it's wrong and as the pastor of the church I just want to let you know that I, I my first thing it, it is not uh, comfort and convenience my first thing is getting the gospel message out and uh, so if you're going to hate me for that I'll take it alright so let's let's do this let's do this I just think we need a great time of, of coming back to the heart of Jesus I just think that some of us need to get on our knees right where we sit. 
some of us, we're in the story, we are not Paul and Barnabas. We are actually the Jewish dissenters. And we've been stirring things up and we haven't had a thought about spreading the love of Jesus to the world. And so this morning, God, I just pray that you would have your way with us, God, that you would have your way with us as a church, that we would really be a people that love you more than life itself, that actually know the gospel, that actually stand on you, that there would be no civil war in this house, that we would be a people, God, that go after you, God, that we just go after you. We, that we are found in the secret place. We are found fasting, crying out and praying, standing on your word. God, touch us, I pray. Just touch us, I pray. Let's just take a moment here just to be with Jesus, ask him what he wants to see.